The SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We are also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment. Coors Light. We are also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the home to best ball mania contest too, where you can win $1 million. That's right, $1 million. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Gomez. Find me on Twitter, at RJ Gomez, And, of course, you can find this show streaming anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We are in for a treat today. I have got somebody who uh, we've only been formally introduced a couple of days ago, but that's the fun part about fantasy football in this world that we live in today, is that I can literally meet somebody and two days later be talking fantasy football with them. So uh, he is a writer at Fantasy Pros, so he knows what he's doing. His name is Matt Garaldi. Matt, thanks for joining the show. Good to be here, man. Good to be here. I got it right, right? Hard G, not soft G? Giraldi. Ah, soft G. I knew it. It's like GIF and GIF. Who knows? Uh, I, I, I'm a GIF man. GIF man. <laughs> GIF man all the way. Uh, all right, Matt. So um, thank you again for answering the call. I, I love it. I, Twitter is a great place to find folks that want to talk fantasy football. And I uh, I know that you're in the same situation I am at home in that you talk too much about it and you need an outlet just like me, correct? Uh, not only do I need an outlet, I, I might be causing a problem <laughs> because my, my wife, uh, when we first met, there, there was no football talk. Uh, that that was that was a man thing like i i do my thing on sundays but once uh once she started seeing you know the the rooting interest and and she couldn't get away from it uh, eventually that led to her joining the family league and then she started joining two leagues with with co-workers and then it got to uh she joined one of the uh fc cares eliminator leagues and and i believe that's where 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 we come in now here? That is true. That is true. Those eliminator leagues bringing folks together since they were created. So uh, I am glad to give you an outlet, and I'm glad to be talking fantasy football with you today because today we are covering those pesky late round wide receivers in drafts. What do you do? As always, we've got ten of them to cover for you. This show, of course, if you're not familiar, we have a three minute timer that we set per topic per player in this case, and those three minutes are dead dedicated time to talk about those players. Once those three minutes start to run out and you have 30 seconds left, you'll hear this. That noise means that it's 30 seconds. Time to wrap up our thought. And then, of course, finally, at the end of three minutes, the timer will sound and we have to move on to the next topic. Matt, are you comfortable with those rules? I am good to go. All right, good. I'm going to reset our timer for three minutes. And then I'm going to start with the first receiver on our list today. Because look, again, these late round picks could be the difference between you winning a league and you not winning a league. Am I right? I mean, it, it's it, it's so important to get the, the late round picks. You know, it's like you, obviously you don't want your first four rounds, five rounds to, to bust on you. But I mean, those league winners every year, man, in the double digit rounds, 
It's like, don't, don't take a defense in round 12. Like keep, keep waiting on that and start stacking these receivers. Get, get as many of them as you can. See, see what happens. Well, and we're going to see what happens right now. First one on the clock as it starts. Hardman. I know that the Kansas City Chiefs love them some wide receivers. They loved them some wide receivers last season, but McCole seemed to be one of those guys. I had him in a preseason as a breakout candidate, uh, obviously not really broken out, got kind of buried, still didn't do that bad, but still could have done better. And this season, he seems to be in a little bit of a better position uh, than he was last year. But I want to know, Matt, what are you even doing with McCole Hardman and how do you feel about him in these late rounds? You know, I, I keep telling myself with guys like him, you know, it's like eventually they got to meet their potential, right? And the funny thing is, though, is, you know, Hardman, he's he's only coming into his third season. So it's like we, we seem to feel like he's been in the league for, you know, th- four years, five years, something like that. But it's like he, he's been buried behind Sammy Watkins and obviously Tyree Kill is going to get his snap. Kelsey... Uh, and you know, it's one of those situations to me where it's just before, you know, the, the Odell Beckhams of the world. And even like now, like, you know, CD lamb, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, all these guys, they're breaking out early, but before OBJ and and those receivers, we, we usually had to wait for the third year to be the breakout year. And and now we, we want that rookie firecracker, you know, we, we can't wait two or three years anymore. It's, either show up or, or you're, you're banished. Well, and, and that's the frustrating thing about him is that you figure with a team like the chiefs that throw the ball around all over God's creation, any receiver on that, that field is valuable. I mean, he had 560 yards last season. It wasn't like it was a complete and total bust for a guy that's a wide receiver four, I guess, you know, 41 receptions, not that bad of a season by, by any stretch of the imagination, but on a team like Kansas city, you expect more from every receiver, right? Yeah, and, and you got to make your snaps and targets and everything count because, you know, it's, it's you're, you know, they're going to throw the ball. You know, they're going to throw the ball a ton. But when they target you, man, you, you better be able to perform because in the past, even like last season, guys like Demarcus Robinson are out producing him and out snapping him. And, and you know, it's like you got to be able to, to make your, your quality snaps count for something. And funnily enough, though, Hardman, according to Pro Football Focus, when he was targeted over the past two years, he's been the highest rated receiver. He's been a 132.2. And, and all, of our, all of our favorite uh, young receiver, A.J. Brown, he was 128.6. Yikes. Well, and, and so you got to figure, too, he also led the team in yards per reception. I mean, he just barely edged out Kelsey. Uh, Hardman had 13.7. Kelsey had 13.5. So you know he's getting targeted deep when he's getting targeted and he's catching these, these deep balls. But again, he's just got to do it more often. And I think maybe with Sammy Watkins gone, I don't know. Does he take a step up? Oh, I'll, I'll keep nibbling. <laughs> You'll keep nibbling. Well, we'll keep hoping that that uh, Nicole Harmon breaks out. I, I mean, look, this is a guy that I will take one of those maybe 13 round of flyers on. Maybe not, you know, 11 or 10. But I, I think if he's there in round 13, I may come back around to him. So, all right. Next, moving on, we are going to go up to Indianapolis to a situation where I think a lot of guys are, a lot of folks are high on this guy. 
I don't know if I feel too comfortable now that even T.Y. Hilton is coming back, but Michael Pittman Jr. is one of those receivers lingering around in the later rounds and could be somebody that you swoop up if if he's there at the right time. But I, I don't know, Matt. I'm I'm got to talk me into this one if you can. Man, that it's a tough spell. And I'm someone that I, I got plenty of shares in and dynasty and I'll be scooping him up and redrafting best ball. Uh, if, if I can get a stack with him, Wentz and even Taylor, you know, get, give me all or, or as much touchdown equity as I can from that offense. Uh, and as an Eagles fan myself, you know, I look, I, I, I'm a, a mixed bag when it comes to Carson, you know, but I do think that a lot of his issues can be remedied a little bit by getting back in touch with you know, Frank Wright, getting that offensive line st- stabilized because the Eagles offensive line was hurt. But, you know, it, with all of these guys on the Colts, it, it really comes down to Carson Wentz, you know, because if if he can stay healthy, they, they have immense upside. But, you know, if, if he gets hurt, I mean, what, what are we looking at? Jacob Eason? That's that's a nightmare. <laughs> And that's the thing, like he he's in that same camp, I suppose, as a hard minutes. He had 503 yards last season, not bad, 40 receptions, just one less than Hardman himself. But the thing is, is that he had Philip Rivers throwing to him, you know, and, and now you're right with Carson Wentz at the helm. I don't know that his value changes much on this roster now. I don't. I'm, maybe T.Y. Hilton takes a, a, a better step up because you know that Carson Wentz loves his number one receivers. So you know Pittman could take a step back. And again, like you, it's a hard sell. I think to to take him. Yeah, and and it's just a log jam too because you know you do still have Paris Campbell. Uh, you you got Zach Pascal. You got Hilton. Um, I I don't think that targets are going to be a problem in that offense, but you know, it, it's just, you're, you're hoping that the back half of the season from last year was what you're going to see kind of get improved upon this year from Pittman. Cause late in the season, he, he looked unstoppable. Yeah. And plus those receivers actually are getting some targets too, as well. So, I mean, that's going to muddy up the waters too. Um, and even as a, as a wide receiver too, on the Colts, again, this is one guy that I think I can feel comfortable, uh, just letting him slide and, and making him somebody else's problem. But if you do have shares of him in dynasty, are you trying to move him now? Can you move him now? I'm holding, uh, and just, I'm holding out bought low and, and I'm going to hope that a little bit of positive regression hits, uh, last season, seven different Colts players had five or more red zone targets, all but Michael Pittman scored a touchdown and two of them at that. So ho- hopefully if he gets those targets in the red zone, they turn into touchdowns. You're holding like Dogecoin, folks, after Elon Musk says it's all a hoax. Uh, Something that we hope is not a hoax is the fact that uh, Justin Fields, break my heart, going to a different team than the 49ers. Uh, But hopefully the Bears will treat him well. And you got to assume that he's going to start off the season as the starter. I don't think they're going to draft him and let Mitch Trubisky run the show for a little while. Uh, But one of the targets he's going to throw to and hopefully throw too often because this is a guy that a lot of folks love. And that's Darnell Mooney. Really the upside, the, the upside, the really bright side to a almost, uh, I don't know, sad Chicago Bears offense last season. Uh, what are we doing with Darnell? Buy him. Give, give me all the shares of, of Mooney. 
And it's crazy that he's he's mired back in these deep rounds. I mean, again, uh, when you look at the drafts, I don't know if he's sliding because people are scared of Fields' uh, uh, actual, what the effect is going to have on him, or they're just not sold on Mooney himself. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he was the victim of just poor quarterback play last season. Uh, all the deep balls that, that were just mistargeted, I think he had something around like 15 uncatchable deep balls and, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, you connect on a couple of those and all of a sudden he's he's one of the, the quote unquote sleepers coming into 2021. And sleeper with a guy that had 61 receptions for 631 yards last season. That's that's good wide receiver three uh, production on a team with Allen Robinson and a bad quarterback. So, I mean, to me, you're right. I think Mooney is one of those guys where if I see him in that 11, in that 12 range where he's going right now, I've seen him go as high as 10, which, you know, again, if, if he's there at 10, and I have nothing else around me, I think I really am grabbing Mooney. I'm not reaching for him any any more, I think, than than that 10th round uh, cutoff because there's a lot of great guys out there from rounds you know, 7, 8, and 9 in the receiver position. Um, but if he's there around 10, I, I think I'm grabbing him at round 10 and beyond. Oh, I, I agree 100%. You know, it, it's just to scoop him up. So yeah, what do you think about Fields? What do you think Fields is going to do for him? Is it going to be good to have a mobile quarterback thrown to this guy? Because he can't catch. You know, just co- combined too with you know they they got a good offensive line and they even improved it in the draft this year. Um, they they have Montgomery, Tariq Cohen's coming back from injury. I mean, you can have a really dynamic offense, and I mean, I mean that's that's not even covering uh, Cole Komet on there. Like they have a lot of weapons. I I don't know why Jimmy Graham is still there, but you know you you can't make sense of the bear sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but Fields, I mean, I, I, I think that he's going to prove some of these these teams that passed on him, that he's going to prove them wrong. Yeah, I think so too. And I think you're right. I think this whole offense takes a huge step up. I know Comet fans are already parading around in the uh, their communities and really just happy that they actually have somebody that could probably get him the ball. Comet's just been a darling. And I think uh, him and Mooney are going to do well together in Chicago because somebody's got to him right yeah and it's you know it's one of those situations for for them like Trubisky ran a little bit like he he wasn't immobile and so we've seen that offense with a a a somewhat mobile quarterback and and, I mean Fields we we can't compare him to Trubisky or or vice versa I should say I don't think we want to compare either one of those guys not even a little Uh, (laughs) All right, so we're going to hit one of the first rookies on the list and somebody that is going low, but I don't know, maybe this will, maybe his ADP will jump uh, closer to draft time because, you know, a lot of these rookies, um, especially when people drafting this early, you know, may not have either done their homework yet or the, the lists, the official lists, right? The, the cheat sheets haven't come out. And that's when, you know, you know, when cheat sheets come out, because that's when these guys' ADPs rise. Uh, and we're talking about Rashad Bateman, who is going to Baltimore. Um, Really going to have a difficult situation. I think receivers usually do in Baltimore um, only because of the nature of the fact that they run every single down pretty much. But um, I don't know. Is this a guy that you're looking at? Is this a rookie you were high on going in? What do you think, Matt? You know, in in your casual home league, you know, people aren't on Twitter all the time and and following a lot of the analysts and and talk and whatnot, and especially right now. 
it's rookie draft season, the peak of it. You know, you, you have a lot of best balls getting in kind of early or like right after the NFL draft. So you hear a lot about these rookies and their potential, but we haven't seen anything from them. You know, we've, we've seen a couple, couple guys in shorts the past week in OTAs, but you know, the, everything's going to be positive. The, the only thing you don't want to hear is negative stuff right now. Um, and, and so for a guy like Bateman, you know, he, he has his share of, of really hyped people. And, and these are people, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw something from Matt Harmon, you know, praising him, a, a few other people that, you know, they really know their receivers. And so like when, when some of those guys are, are calling, I'm, I'm listening, you know, cause it, it's, it, it, I know we're all weathermen here, like trying to guess who's going to do what, but you know, it, it, it does seem like a lot of people are high on him. I just don't know if it's going to be in 2021. Yeah, I don't either. And again, especially because of where he's at right now. I just, you know, you got guys like Hollywood Brown that are out there right now. And again, with Lamar, he just, he runs and that that team runs and they run and they run and they run. So receivers are hard to trust week to week. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was going there to be the number one receiver and, and he started off that way, but in, you know, he's going to be probably third or fourth, maybe even, you know, a, a slot guy that's brought in every once in a while on. And he is good. I mean, I've watched him firsthand beat the heck out of my dog on Fresno state bulldogs, but by the same token, you know, again, he's not in a, in a situation where I feel comfortable taking him, even if he is there just before I take my kickers in defense. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, you, you even do have Tylon Wallace who was also drafted by the Ravens and, I mean, we, we don't know what he could turn into because he, he could be a good receiver as well in the pros. So I, I think given the volume, it's just if, if you can stash him, if you have a deep bench, I'd, I'd love to take a shot on him to see like whether something happens. But I, I mean, I'm probably avoiding any, any Ravens pass catcher other than Mark Andrews. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mark Andrews. God, I've gotten so washed up in the, in the receivers that I forgot that Mark Andrews catches more passes than most of those guys too. Speaking of a team that their tight end catches most of their passes, uh, we move out West to Las Vegas where, uh, the target hungry Darren Waller, uh, will be fighting with this gentleman coming into next season and, uh, they'll be down one pass catcher, one major pass catcher. So is this Henry Ruggs season as the kids say? because uh, I want to know whether or not we can draft him if he's sitting there in round 13 or 14. You know, I, I wish I could read John Gruden's mind sometimes because this man, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the Raiders are doing, but, you know, it's just there's so much potential here with Ruggs. He looked so good coming out of college. He, he looked good week one last season, but, you know, it's just he, he had – the injuries, he didn't have a full offseason to kind of adapt. Uh, you know, a lot of beat writers and sports writers over the years have said Gruden's offense is difficult to learn. And so you you have a rookie that, you know, he, he didn't get any offseason work, no preseason work. Uh, I, I think a guy like him, he could really benefit, you know, and, and he's one that I'm going to be watching close when it comes to, to training camp reports. You know, I want to see a, a connection to Carr, you know, because – we do know Darren Waller, he's going to lead the team in targets. Can Ruggs come in a close second, you know, because they got Smokey Brown uh, this offseason. They got Hunter Renfro is going to, gonna, you know, man the slot. Brian Edwards is, I, I don't know what he is really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those situations. Just how are you going to use him and are you going to use him right? 
Well, and with Nelson Aguilar gone, I mean, I, not that that really makes a huge difference, but you know, again, it could it could make a couple more passes go Ruggs's way, and he could quite possibly. I mean, he had some great weeks, right? I mean, he had like a, one or two great weeks that people were were ready to swoop him up off the waiver wire, but then they were disappointed because he never followed it up with a, a with a equally as good week. So, um, but what happens? What happens now? Because we know that Carr is Carr, but I mean, there's a lot of folks that are saying Mariota could quite possibly, you know, swoop in and take some of that uh, that spotlight off of Carr. One, is that going to be possible? Do you think? And two, what does that do to Rugs? You know, I I really do hope that they give an open quarterback competition this this training camp because we saw what Mariota did. You know, it, it was that game against the Chargers. 17 of 28, 226 and a score, but the team just looked different. You know, like they look like they actually gave a damn. And I mean, Carr, we know what he is at this point in his career. I mean, he's he's a pretty accurate quarterback. He's good, but it's just like we're we're not gonna see we're not gonna see what we haven't seen already, I feel, with him. And and so it's just it's tough to trust his receivers when we can't trust him. Yeah, I feel for Carr. I mean, again, as a Fresno State fan, I was, I was, I loved watching him play. But boy, once he got to the pros, it just felt like, you know, well, it was the Raiders. I mean, <laughs> what can we say? He didn't get dealt the best hand. Yeah, I know. And, and I still think back to that, that ankle injury that he had, you know, and it's kind of like we talked about with Wentz a little bit, you know, it's like it, it those injuries sometimes, you don't know how they come back. And, you know, Carr Car was looking like an MVP that year, and then now he 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 looks like he needs to go back to Fresno State for a couple more years. Oh, that hurts. I, I uh, had to take the shot. You did, you did. All right, we're going to step away for a couple of ads. When we come back, we are going to talk about, uh, we go from one actual MVP candidate to, uh, you know, the one that looked like an MVP. But we'll talk about that when we get back from break. If you haven't given WinBet a try, I'm telling you, you need to get in there right now. They are bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. You can get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, games, whatever. Plus, they're always running generous promos. They got great odds and parlays. It's all happening right now at WinBet. And if you get started today, we're going to give you a special offer up to $500 of risk-free sports betting. I don't know a better deal out there right now. So if you want to get in on it, get in now. Of course, as always, terms and conditions apply. If you want to go right now, get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. There is nothing like cracking open an ice cold beer, especially for those of you who are like me, who you always feel like you're on, right? Between Twitter, between Instagram, between podcasting, between all the stuff that it takes to put out a quality podcast, you're always on. Well, that's right. But what do you do when you need a moment to chill? I'll tell you what I do. I kick back, hit the reset button and get ready for what's next with a nice ice cold Coors Light. Again, these days, everything's go, 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 go. It's nonstop hustle. You got work, you got friends, you got all your hobbies. Sometimes you just need a moment to chill out, right? That's when you reach for a Coors Light because it is literally made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill. And that again is Coors Light. The mountain on the bottle and the cans turn blue when the beer is cold. So you always know you're grabbing a cold beer when you grab an ice cold Coors Light. Of course, it's that time to chill. You know that it's time to chill. So hit the reset button, open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And folks, 
I'm telling you, Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for that beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or even Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. All right, we are back, ready to hit the next five receivers so far, so good. I think we've uh, I think we've helped some folks, right? I think we've figured out exactly what to do with these first five. Um, but uh, these next five may not be quite so easy, only because I think each of them have great arguments for, and and I think equally great arguments against. And we'll start in my uh, I guess guru's home world of Buffalo, where we're going to debate two quarter or two quarterbacks two receivers back-to-back with a great quarterback. Uh, And we're going to start first with Cole Beasley in Buffalo. Matt, Cole Beasley, we love the name. We love what he did last season. Uh, What are we doing with him, and why is he going so late right now? I I honestly don't understand. Um, The past two seasons, he's gotten over 100 targets. He's leading the NFL in, in catches from the slot. I mean... I thought that some of those target numbers would go down last year when Diggs came to town. They remained consistent. I mean, Josh Allen seems to love this guy. He's, he's reliable. Uh, I I mean, there, there's very few downsides. He's just, he's consistent, you know, like, you know what you're getting, you have a good floor, a bi-week replacement, but he's more than that. Even, you know, it's like each, each season in fantasy, I mean, he's putting up what wide receiver two or wide receiver three numbers. So it's, I don't understand it either. Well, last season alone, 82 catches, 967 yards, four touchdowns. Cole Dickerson Beasley, folks, is not somebody that should be available to you in the 12th round. And if he is, and if he's there at the 11th and 12th round, you grab him. It doesn't matter what you're looking like as far as wide receiver situations are going because that guy right there is going to win you more weeks than he's not going to. I, I That's what I think, at least. Yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly, it's, just, you know, it's confusing. Um, and obviously we, we have the next receiver who's, you know, same locker room uh, to talk about. But I, I just, you know, just get him. You know, it, <laughs> and and I, I think the one thing, though, that some people are at least a little worried about right now, obviously, you know, we're, we're still dealing with COVID. And, you know, the Bills seem like one of those teams that we don't know how they're approaching vaccinations. And I know the NFL and NFLPA came out with, you know, kind of the the guidelines for players that are vaxxed and players that aren't. And, you know, you do run the risk, I guess, of having him abruptly be out, you know, if if he contracts it later on uh, and and ends up, or he has a close contact and he's not vaccinated, is he going to potentially miss, you know, a game or something? But I mean, when he's playing, we we know what he's going to do. Well, and if you're grabbing him in round 12, you're pretty much already set that much anyways. So again, if, if you're looking at, at Cole Beasley down there at the bottom and you've already got, maybe let's say you got Diggs, right? Maybe you were in that position where you have Diggs and then you've got Beasley, you can snatch him up. I mean, again, I, I think it's a no-lose situation regardless if he misses too many weeks. And, you know, with week 17 coming up too, again, you still have got plenty of time uh, uh, to grab this guy if he's there for you. Yeah, completing the Bills passing game stack like that is, is pretty not, it's not fair, man. I mean, like, you, you get Diggs and Allen pretty early, and, and getting a guy like Beasley with his upside but floor, it, it's, it's, 
I don't understand the the ADP right now. <laughs> I don't understand it either. And that's okay. Cause when I'm drafting now, I will take him, but now somebody else that's right there around that. And it's weird that both of these receivers are actually in the same vicinity. Uh, given that, you know, I, I still think that this one, Gabriel Davis is going to look good next season, despite having Diggs and uh, Beasley ahead of him. He showed some serious flashes, 35 catches, 599 yards, but more impressively, seven touchdowns last season. So Gabriel Davis, now I know if I'm choosing between the two, right? If, if Beasley and Davis are both there, I'm taking Cole Beasley, of course. But if somebody snatched Beasley and Davis is still there, Matt, how comfortable with you are, are you with taking him there? He's, he's probably the toughest call for me on a guy that, like on an offense that I really want to target, like the, the Bills are going to put up points. They're they're going against, you know, a, a pre, I mean the the Jets, Patriots, Dolphins defenses. They're they're decent, but you know, like I I want the Bills offense in that division and and against you know the the number one schedule. You know, they're going to be going up against the Chiefs again this year. They're going to be going up against teams like the Titans, and they're going to need to put up points. I just, you know, I, it's weird with Davis because it was like he flashed so well and then they go out and sign Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. And it's just like, just why why are you, I, I get it, but like, where is he going to play? You know, it's, it, it's that that's the one like frightened point that I have with, with Davis is I just don't know what his role is going to be. Like it should be expanded upon, but can we, can we trust like the coaching staff? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it will be expanded upon because you're right. He did flash. I mean, he had that last game of the season where he had the two catches for 107 yards and the touchdown. I mean, that was a huge, it wasn't a lot of catches, but they were both very effective catches, obviously, if one of them got into the end zone. Um, and then he had that game in week 11, uh, three catches, 79 yards and a touchdown. The next week he followed it up, three catches, 68 and a touchdown. So if we're talking late round guys, right, we're talking flex options. We're talking wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver four, depending on what you're doing. But um, if I'm getting those type of numbers uh, almost every week out of a, a wide receiver, th- and, and maybe let's say it continues in, going into the next season, but if I'm getting that production out of a flex or a wide receiver three, um, I think I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, again, like he he looked like he started flashing late in the year. You know, th- those last six games or so, and even the first game against the Colts in the playoffs. I mean, he he caught four for eighty five. Uh, it's there, there's a lot of upside there. And, and if something ever happened to, to Diggs or, or even Beasley, you know, it, I, I don't know if I trust him as a wide receiver one going against those corners, but I, I'd gladly, you know, for the price that he's going at, I'll, I'll take him and stash him on my bench. Absolutely. Especially if, uh, for me, I guess, if it is a, a season-long draft. I don't know that in Dynasty, maybe I'm taking that leap if I'm starting out a new team. Because uh, somebody's already got him, obviously, if you're if you're in a Dynasty League. But if I'm starting a Dynasty League, I don't know that he's one that I'm going to try to, to build around. Yeah, I won't go out of my way for him. Yeah, yeah. But if he's there and there's nobody else around, like if there's no other running backs, you know, I'll I'll snatch him, Uh, which is where I'm coming down on this young man that we're going to bring up next. And it's not for lack of talent. I just think it's a bad situation all the way around. But it's a name that people, for whatever reason, will recognize because of the couple of decent games that he had last season. And we're talking about the Jets passing game. We're talking about Denzel Mims who, again, I think has some potential, but I think is buried in a, a situation that may not have gotten better, I don't know, with a rookie quarterback uh, coming to town. 
I I think it got immensely worse. I I trust Zach Wilson. I I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I just you know, it's 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 the rookie quarterback. You got a new coach who's extremely defensive minded in Robert Sala. Uh you have an offensive coordinator in Mike LaFleur who relies on the run game. I mean, as a coordinator, his all four of his teams, he, he's been with the Rams, Titans, and Green Bay twice. And, I mean, they're, they're ninth, ninth, 13th, 12th in rushing attempts. But they're at the bottom third in passing attempts. And I think they're going to try and, and kind of grind out games. But even the running back core, I mean, it's jags i mean you got tevin coleman you, you got the rookie who looks electric but i mean it's just i don't know if that offense is worth anything <laughs> well and the thing is is that so with mims again the reason why i bring them up is because these names every time the highlight reel shows a good name I, most of the casual players out there will say oh i remember mims i remember seeing him on the whatever right uh, games like when he went uh three catches for 71 yards in what was it week 11, or week 10 against the the chargers you know those types of games stick out in their head but what they don't realize is that it's surrounded by a bunch of games that are three catches for 18 yards one catch for 15 yards two for four you know, and no touchdowns. So you have to be able to separate the name recognition from the actual stats that are there. And so when you see a guy like Mims and you remember seeing him on a highlight reel once, we're here to talk you down and tell you, look, yes, that happened. But also that's the next week. He only had one catch and it was for 15 yards. So I don't think the situation in in, uh, Rutherford, New Jersey is going to get any better this season either. No, and as someone who's been burned too much by uh, another former, you know, flash on, on the videos, Chris Herndon, man, these Jets pass catchers sometimes they're they're troublemakers. Uh, I just, you know, it and and I think it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that offense flows. You know, they they got Corey Davis, who I, I was hoping he would land somewhere better than than New York, and it, it's just like is Jameson Crowder still a thing? Like it's it's an ugly offense to project because you just don't know how they're going to be. And, you know, ideally, at least this year with the new coach and the new coordinator, at least we get training camp to, to kind of see and start hearing a little bit about because going into the dark like last year, I mean, it, it'd be a mess. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I don't think I'd have touched Mims going into the dark glass. In fact, we couldn't because he didn't even start one of those those first few games. Uh, but speaking of somebody who it's hard to project this this year, and I think it even got harder uh, because we knew Sterling Shepard. We knew him well. We knew when he produced. We knew that he was a good, good, solid, reliable receiver week to week. But then I don't know. It, it, it got worse, and then. It even got way worse because now we've got one Kenny Galladay that's joining the Giants team, and that really bites into Sterling Shepard. So here's another guy with name recognition that if you're a casual player sitting there and you say, oh, yeah, Sterling Shepard, he was great. Well, mm, let's let's slow down a little bit, right, Matt? Exactly. And, and you kind of think of Sterling Shepard, especially in like PPR leagues, I, I always think of him as like a safe wide receiver three. You know, you, you know what you're going to get from him and you have that occasional outburst where, you know, he, he goes eight for 120 and two. But I don't know if that's going to be possible. Like, I don't know if he's going to be on the field all the time 
with that that locker room now, you know, you have Galladay, you have Darius Slayton. They they just spent a, a first round draft pick on Kadarius Tony. Like we still got Evan Ingram and then Saquon Barkley's coming back from injury. Like how how many targets is Shepard really gonna get? Like on the best case scenario, he gets eighty something targets, maybe? I I, I just it, it's it's a tough offense to project. Last season, the Giants averaged two and a half wide receiver routes run per drop back. That was twenty eighth in the NFL. So they're not they're not running three wide receiver sets all the time. So it's it, it's going to be a, a nightmare outside of Galladay. You know, like we we know he's going to get his, but. I, I think Darius Slayton is the other guy that we really need to look at for that offense as if we're looking at receivers, but Shepard, I, 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 I just don't see the upside on him this year. Isn't it funny how we can take stats and really like it, it's the Matthew Barry thing where he says you can take them and interpret differently. 656 uh, yards, 66 receptions, three touchdowns. We were just saying and praising, uh, what was it, G- Gabriel Davis for those types of numbers uh, back a little bit ago. But now we're saying Sterling Shepard, stay away from him with those numbers. But it really is all about perception. Oh, that's not it. This is it. No, that's not it. This is it. <laughs> it's all about where you're at in the, uh, just where you're at. Like you expect more out of Sterling Shepard, but he didn't get there. Yeah, and it's one of those situations too where, you know, at least with Davis, we we still have kind of ignorance is bliss. You know, we don't know what his upside can be but you know it's like after i mean what six years in the league shepherd he he hasn't hit 900 receiving yards uh it looks like the most touchdowns he's ever scored in a season i mean he had eight in 2016 but the past four seasons two four three three like that that's just not going to cut it if you're only catching 50 balls and six 600 yards i mean it's like you said, and, and that was his his past where he didn't have this competition. Now he has more competition. It, it, it looks tough to, to project him for anything improving. Yeah, and and I, like I said, I, well, like you said, I think 80, but I think 80 is a way, way a huge. I think we're looking more like 40 to 50 targets this season just because of the fact that there's so many more mouths to feed. Uh, but let's move on to a running or a running back, a receiver with a uh, little less mouths to feed. Uh, he's moving from one situation where I think he did well, obviously, last season, but I think now he's moving to a, maybe a little bit of a better situation. That's Curtis Samuel, who will be going from the Panthers, of course, to now the Washington football team. He'll be paired up with Terry McLaurin, and I think he's in a much better situation because his wide receiver two position there in Carolina uh, was was solid, but I think he's got even more of like a 1-1-A now with Terry in Washington. What do you think, Matt? I think you were right when you first started and you called him a running back, honestly. I mean, he's, <laughs> that's true. He's, that's true. He's a Swiss army knife, man. And like, I, I just, I hope that Ron Rivera is going to use him the way that he was used at, at parts of last season. You know, it's like he, he's getting the, the end arounds, the reverse is like different things. Like use your best players the best way. Like it, it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, the quarterback situation there, I don't know about Fitz magic. I don't know if, if he's got another year of magic in him, but that's going to be a fun offense to watch and, and going against 
the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants secondaries. I mean, like he 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 has the potential to to really blow up being across from McLaurin. Like they're they're gonna be fun to watch. I feel like this is a go for broke season for Washington, right? They just it's one of those things where they're just they they're pinning their ears back. They don't really care. They still don't have an actual mascot, right? They just went out and got Fitzpatrick. They've got Gibson, they've got McLaurin, now they've got Samuel, they've got Adam Humphreys even, right? Logan Thomas there at tight end. I mean, I feel like this is one of those wild west seasons for Washington where they're just like, whatever, we don't care. We're just going to go out and go for broke. If we win, we win. If we don't, whatever. Oh, it's it's YOLO to the wall, man. Like they're they're going for it, and they're gonna have fun doing it. And and I I hope Fitzpatrick stays healthy because they they'll be a fun offense to target for for fantasy purposes and, and even just watching. I mean, I I love Fitzpatrick. The dude's full of energy. He has fun doing his thing. Like they're they're gonna be a fun team to watch. It's just you know, again, it's situation unknown when when it comes to Fitzpatrick. Man, he he defies father time every year, and he looks good doing it. Besides, I think Washington is long overdue for a football beard like Fitzpatrick's, man. That guy whew, rocks that beard. Uh, the whole team just needs to grow it out. <laughs> just, just have everybody on board with it. Could you see Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphrey with like gigantic beards? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just poofing out of the helmet. Just, just go for it, man. All the linemen with beards. If that, listen, if, if beards make Washington better, I am definitely going to take, uh, uh, one Curtis Samuel in the draft, especially if he's sitting there. I mean, again, this is one of those guys where I think his ADP is sitting there just a lot lower than I'd expect. Yeah. And he, he's one of those guys, I think as, as preseason and camp kick off, he's only going to go up for where he's getting drafted. Like, if you're if you're doing some best ball leagues right now and you can get him on the cheap, I, I mean, like just so many people are high on on that offense in general. He he's one of those guys I could see start raising in a couple of rounds by the time that we get Labor Day. Yeah, and if you can find a trade partner that that can get some decent value for Curtis uh, Samuel, I think I'd I'd try to trade for him right now before the hype and before everything starts to blow up and you can't get him for cheap anymore. Most definitely. Ah, uh, Matt, we've reached the end of the list. How you feel? I'm sweating. Oh, man. I, I, I need one of those Coors Lights that you were talking about on, on the commercial. <laughs> That's right. Well, normally in this part of the, the show, it'd be time to chill with our quality control officer, but we're flying blind today. We, I didn't even mount, announce it at the beginning of the show, but uh, we're, we're flying without a net today, so uh, we didn't have our, our safety net. So I'm sure I got a million things wrong, but guess what? Today, no one. He's catching me. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're good, Matt. We don't have to, to listen to somebody tell us we're wrong. Well, I mean, I, I'm generally wrong, so uh, I, that, that saves me a little bit of, of humility. Uh, I love it. All right, Matt, let's wrap things up and let's tell everybody where they can find you on the internet and all over the world. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter a little bit too much uh, for my own good at M G I R A L D I, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm usually bantering or bickering about something going on in the world or just talking about fantasy sports in, in general. So, uh, I, I, you know, I write a FanDuel article during the regular season, uh, kind of been bouncing around on, on different like projects on that and kind of settled with the DFS cash game, the article, you know, it's, it's fun to write. It helps you with your process, but free of charge too. So when, when DFS season comes rolling around, you know, I, I know a lot of people, they, they're still skeptical about it, you know, come, come, Find me on there and, and feel free to ask me questions. I, I'm usually pretty hospitable when, when it comes to most of that, but 
sometimes I am rough around the edges too. So, well, I find I find the DFS suits you well sometimes for for player evaluation because you know what they do week to week and you're not tied to them season long and and sort of takes the blinders off of you because you're evaluating them as a you know what what have they done week to week as opposed to oh I see they have 600 yards and that's why I'm going to get them. Yeah, and generally I run rough when it comes to the injury bug. So it's nice to at least, you know, kind of be done with one week and not have to worry about scrapping to find, you know, your replacement running back or anything like that. But injury bug finds me in DFS too. So I guess I'm not really safe on any front. Uh, This is true. No one's ever really truly safe, are they? Uh, all right, Matt, again, thanks for joining the show. Uh, I, like I said, just so awesome that you answered the call. Um, super excited that you are here. Again, go find him on Twitter. Is it at M Giraldi, right? It is. All right, Matt Giraldi, again, fantasy pros writer, DFS style, but was lucky enough to join us today for the fast-paced show. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for joining us on another episode. We can't wait for the next one uh, where we will actually have a quality control officer. Fine, I'll pick one this time. But uh, All right, Matt, again, thanks for joining the show. Thank you guys for listening, everybody. Until next time, let it ride. All right. That All right, man. is the show. So how-